Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com and use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit. Endo decoded report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestion, endo aligned product matching in your state, suggested dosage guidelines, and optimum methods of administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeka soft gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeka Unwind created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. What's up, everyone? It is 3 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon, which means you're tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News. I'm producer Lauren, and today we're joined by Maritza Perez from the Marijuana Justice Coalition. We're going to talk about the MORE Act, the war on drugs, and how we're going to heal from the damages of the war on drugs. So let's get into it. How's everybody doing? Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Sunday. Maritza, really appreciate it. What's the Drug Policy Alliance? The Drug Policy Alliance is a nonprofit that seeks to end the war on drugs and also the harms of drug prohibition. So our work mostly focuses, I would say, on criminal justice reform. Um, We try to really um, dig deep into the penalty, criminal penalty side of things. But we're also really dedicated to harm reduction and supporting harm reduction services through funding in Congress and just educating generally members of Congress um, about how to treat drugs as a health issue rather than one that needs to be dealt with in the criminal justice system. Nice. They're like, a, um, uh, what, do, what do you call it? The, the people who uh, um, petition governors uh, lobby group. You're like a lobbyist group then, right? Yeah. So um, we're a lot smaller than we used to be. We actually used to have several state offices, but now we're just located um, in California, New Mexico, New York, and in DC. Um, and each of those offices engage in lobbying with the government, but us being in D.C., we're the national office, so we work with Congress. Yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. How come you guys have reduced? Uh, has money kind of dried up? Um, that was just a decision that came with change of leadership. Uh, so our founder left the organization, and we ended up getting a new ED. And actually, we're getting another ED who came through the ranks of the Drug Policy Alliance, um, who starts in September really soon. So we're really excited about that. She's been with DPA for like 10 years, um, an activist uh, who started as an intern and just like worked her way up. So we're really excited about that. Definitely recommend you guys have her on at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Sure. Uh, but then I wanted to know, like, sorry, you guys are 501c. Can like, can you just take political, is it political contribution or is it like a charitable donation? Yeah, so we have a C3 and a C4 arm. Um, many nonprofits do. So our C3 side is more of our advocacy side. The C4 side, I really see it as the electoral side. So if we want to speak to elections 
or engage with campaigns, that's the, that's the arm that we use. But primarily, we're a C3. So I didn't know you could do both at the mm-hmm. same time. Yep. How does that work? Uh, you To make that work, you want to make sure that you are very clear about which um, arm you're using. So, for example, if I ever do anything electoral, I, I sign off as drug policy actions. So we have a separate entity that's specifically C4. Um, so you just, you know, you, you got you have to be like careful about like which arm you're using, but, uh, yeah, most nonprofits have a political arm. Yeah, that's really awesome. And so then your political arm, uh, if you were going to start lobbying for the more act, would that be your, uh, you know, it would be deep drug policy action as opposed to drug policy Alliance. That's, um, through our advocacy arms for just a regular C3. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Is the action group the one actually lobbying the action, you know, shaking hands and talking? Because policy, getting a policy through, it, it's harder than most people realize. Like the, the right. fact that there is drug lobbyists, we need them on our side. <laughs> you know, yeah. Our side. Yeah. yeah. So lobbying can take many shapes. Uh, I mean, before COVID, we had a lot of in-person meetings on the Hill, but the Hill's actually going to be closed for quite some time. We don't know when we're going to go back. It's close to outside people, including lobbyists like myself. Um, so a lot of our meetings are, you know, like this, they're via phone or video chat, a lot of emails, a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of like sharing, just like Intel with one another, Mm -hmm. um, lobbying can many different ways. Yeah. But then you guys are kind of really plugged into the Washington DC scene. So are you familiar, like is Congress basically holding zoom sessions? And so like, is it all zoom testimony and are, are Congress people like the NBA, they're playing to an empty room. Yeah, that's pretty much what it's like. Although I will say that that's that happens quite often. So there are discrete mm-hmm. issues I think that people really get excited about, and then there's huge lines to get into the hearing room. But for like day to day business, you'd actually be surprised. Most rooms are pretty empty. So I don't I don't think they're like totally unused to not having an audience. That's another thing, right? Because most people think like the Congress is constantly there. Like you would think in session when they're debating rules and fighting, everybody's present. But it's never always like that, right? No. No. And in fact, uh, even during hearings, you'll see members of Congress coming in and out. They'll come in, give their spiel, leave. They'll come in a vote, leave. So. It's just the record. They just care about the record. And it's like, hey, look, I'm not on the record right now. I don't have to freaking be there, you know? It's they're calling me. You know what they want? Money. Oh. <laughs> money. How they get like? Yeah. Marissa, does COVID though, does it help? Is this easier though for you to lobby? Because now everybody's kind of in their own corners. So you can kind of corner them and say, hey, you need to make a statement on this. Is, is it? Is that at all anything? Yeah, it is and it's not. So I, I guess it is easier because uh, you can cram more into a day. So because our hmm. meetings are virtual or via phone most of the time, it's much easier to coordinate those meetings if you like versus in person. Um, but at the same time, COVID has given lawmakers, I think another excuse to like put off things that we already needed. Like a lot of the things that we already advocate for because they go back to like us needing relief um, because yeah. of COVID, which is absolutely a hundred percent true. Um, but I don't know, I feel like one frustration is that Congress has a lot, hard time walking and chewing gum like well back when you said we can get more done in a day because here we're trying to get homegrown passed and i had to go both the house and the senate and my fat ass was tired in one day just trying to talk to two representatives on each side i can imagine 
you running around in, in, in our nation's capital and, and, and talking, you know, you have to track down governors and senators everywhere. So it just sucks that they're using it as an excuse to avoid you though. Um, yeah. Not really to avoid more like to avoid getting you what you want. Like, you know, another reason for them to put off your asks. But commitments. I, yeah. Commitments. But that has not been the case with the more act. It's been the case with some other things that we've been trying to push, but with the more act, the momentum is still there. So at least yes. that's great. Good. I mean, so now that's what I really wanted to start turning this to. We clearly are talking with somebody who knows uh, the Capitol Hill and the legislative process and how bills get made. Uh, very, very well. And so with that type of insight, why are you so excited about the MORE Act? And let's, I guess, first kind of unpack what the MORE Act is. Well, uh, Maritza, could you explain the MORE Act to, to everybody? Yeah. So the MORE Act is a bill that would deschedule marijuana. Um, so again, it would legalize marijuana essentially at the federal level. Um, in addition to that, it would center communities most harmed by the war on drugs. It's a reparative justice bill. So the bill starts with descheduling marijuana. It would then put a 5% tax on the marijuana industry at the manufacturer level to fund three programs benefiting directly impacted people and communities of color. So one funding stream would go into community reinvestment, funding uh, legal services, job training, um, employment, that sort of thing in uh, communities most impacted by the war on drugs. The other two funding streams would be small business administration funds. One would support underrepresented people in the cannabis industry, and the other would encourage states and localities to implement equitable licensing programs to make sure that, you know, that the industry is more reflective of, of, of people of America, but especially people who have been literally prohibited from participating. Yeah, it sounds so much. It's like Illinois on a national level, because if you look and dig yeah. into Illinois' bill, it's very similar to all of this. But oh, think about yeah. that for a moment. Can you imagine getting an SBA loan for weed? <laughs> yeah, you got a small business loan from the government. What do you do? Oh, I'm a minority yeah. weed store, you know. That's when we legalized it right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, it's it's a fascinating bill. And she's right. Like, it it decriminalizes. It takes – it's it's – People are like the scheduling, reschedule. No, no, it's out. It's like hemp. And so they take, mm -hmm. uh, they stop the controlled substance of what is marijuana. And they don't just do stop there. They also redefine as a legal term of art, marijuana. And so marijuana is not going to be a thing if the MORE Act passes. Uh, at the federal level, they change it to cannabis. And mm -hmm. so they take uh, marijuana out of the Controlled Substances Act and then lower, they, they change it to cannabis. And then very much as uh, we were just talking about, uh, there's all these social justice programs, very similar to true Illinois, and also the allocation of the tax dollars there as well to fund these programs. It's could It could be really interesting. Federally speaking, when this thing, if, let's hope it passed or whatever, but with the taxes, are they just saying, okay, in sales of marijuana, like sales of alcohol, we're going to tax it? Is that how that's going to work with this? That's going to be the regulation form? Uh, you know, I'm yeah. still trying to, yeah. Yeah. So the only regulatory piece that we really have in the MORE Act that's explicit is the tax piece. And as it's written right now, it's a 5% tax at the hmm. manufacturer level. Uh, state regulation, state rules would remain in place. So if there's a state that's not legal, or chooses not to legalize, the MORE Act wouldn't change that. It would change whether or not the federal government could, you know, criminalize people for marijuana, but it wouldn't change mm. state rules. 
Yeah, but it would get into a, one of those problems where then you'd start attacking those other states that have crimes for uh, being, you know, the supremacy clause argument where it's like, you're not allowed to do this anymore. Uh, mm. But we'll deal with that later. The other thing we're going to have to deal with is the regulation. I mean, so if this passes, mm. what's going on right now in hemp? Hemp is kind of being upended by, we had a bill similar to the Moore Act, not necessarily with the restorative justice, but in the sense that it descheduled hemp. Uh, so it's no longer a controlled one substance. Uh, but then all the the administrative bodies that are going to be writing the rules if the Act passes can still fight back against it. So like with the USDA and the total THC testing or with the DEA and then like saying, well, that stuff that you're using to do the extraction, that technically goes over the line and therefore it's marijuana. We don't know. But uh, what are you hearing on the Hill about the the likelihood that the Act, which is I did a video on this months ago after it got out of committee. And it's like, wow, they're going to get floor action on this. And so uh, can you tell us a little bit about the floor action and when we think there might be a vote? Yeah. So as you mentioned, um, the Moore Act made history last year when it became the first marijuana legalization bill to be voted favorably by a congressional body. And that was a House Judiciary Committee hearing where uh, we had support from all Democrats and two Republicans. Uh, also supported the passage of that bill. And we'll think we actually will drum up a lot of Republican support, overwhelmingly Democratic support. But um, if you look at just recent marijuana votes, this is an issue that's increasingly bipartisan. Pauline also tells us, tells us that it's a bipartisan thing. Voters of all stripes generally support not just marijuana legalization, but um, also expunge me, expunging marijuana convictions. And we actually did some recent polling around the Moore Act itself and found that Republicans and Democrats support the Moore Act, support passage of the Moore Act, um, which just kind of like speaks to how far like we've really come when it comes to marijuana. I mean, the Drug Policy Alliance was created about 20 years ago. And part of the reason it was created was to really change the narrative around marijuana. And DPA started by um, funding a lot of these campaigns to legalize marijuana. And if you look at like, you know, from when they started to now in just 20 years, how far we've come, it's pretty amazing to have such yeah. a support. Um, but, you know, the next steps now are to get a floor vote. Um, it was announced just this Friday, actually, publicly, that it's likely going to happen. And the reason we know that is not just because we've lobbied a lot and have had all the meetings and checked all the boxes, but uh, House leadership actually sent out a whip count uh, to the Democratic offices, and that's that, what's a lib count. Sorry, a whip count. Yeah, what's that? Yeah, so a whip count is uh, what leadership sends out before a vote to get an idea of how many people would vote for potential bills that will that will be brought to the floor. And in that count, they said that they will bring the More Act to the floor in September. If this was if this were brought to the floor, how would you vote? Um, this is a tactic that leadership uses just to make sure that they have the votes for any bills that they might bring up. Uh, so that's a positive sign. Um, if you see your bill on a whip count like this, it, it means that it's probably going to be brought to the floor unless something crazy happens. It wow. is 2020. So I am not like saying that, you know, it's going to a hundred percent going to happen just because we've had so much insane things that we're not, even like that we didn't even think would happen happen this year. But yeah. I mean, by all by all indication, it's it's gonna come to the floor soon. It's still further than we've ever been in a while. Yes. Yeah. Well, how yeah. many sponsors? How many sponsors were on the uh the Moore Act? Yeah, so we have approximately 90 co-sponsors now, and that list is growing every day. Um yeah. 
because the whip count was sent out this Friday, I think we'll see that number just really actually probably like double before it's actually brought to the floor. Mm -hmm. Um, because now I think people are seeing like, Oh, it's going to come. Like I need to like make a decision on it. Uh, so I think that number will see like drastically rise up these next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's exciting. Hypothetically, yeah. you guys, if like say Trump got a heart and every Republican can't give a fuck about like you know justice, um, and this passes, is I might well, should I be allowed to have grow now? Should I be because I mean right? This is kind of like the Washington issue where we don't have homegrown the books along mm-hmm. with that regulation that you're talking about before. So, I mean, technically it's legal at that point, right? Yeah. It's not a controlled substance. It's not a controlled substance. That would be the thing, but you would still you would still want to like rely on what like your state says. State laws. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But then what about those, uh, Oregon starts exporting, you know, uh, it can, can they start exporting the, the, the cannabis? Wouldn't that be interesting? Interstate commerce. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing is, right. Like we, our goal for this year, I think it's half the house, but that's our goal for a number of reasons. One reason is, I mean, it would actually be historic. We haven't had a bill this progressive ever pass. Uh, a chamber of Congress. We also like want to change the narrative and like really like prepared the bill to be passed in full in 2020. We can't do that now. Like we're not going to do that with a Republican Senate who just, they didn't, you know, even, they, down. they sank the safe banking act. It doesn't yeah. legalize it. And they say no way. And they, there are edits and that uh, committee yeah. in the Senate, the Senate was uh, marijuana can have 2% THC. Oh boy. Right. 2%. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, is this is this something that we think that will get through the House because it's democratically controlled, and then the Democrats will use this as an issue for the election? Because then, if three senates, three right. senators that are Republican, and the Senate changes hands and it's a new administration, are they setting up for uh, the next Congress's vote? That's exactly right. Both of those things. So I think they understand that it's a politically winnable issue. Pauline tells us that like I explained earlier, that this is something that people want. So, I mean, even Trump, I think last week um, said to, you know, his party that they should not be putting cannabis on any ballot because that'll bring people yeah. out, you right. know, so they know that it's an issue that favors progressives. So I think, you know, for those reasons, uh, it makes sense to pass now, but politically speaking for future, if we want this bill to become law, it makes sense too, because you're building support for it. Now we can like, point back and say this bill already passed one chamber it could also work to influence the new administration whoever yeah. it is say yeah. that you know we look really regressive compared to 2019 when it was passed in this chamber um and you know the, the hope is that we flip at least the administration or the senate and if we were to do that then this bill could easily become law but wow. what i like about that too is that it also gives us more time to think about the regulatory piece because i do think I see that as like more act uh, part two. Like, I think that's really important and something that we need to like, you know, figure out. And like we did with the more act, I think there needs to be people like from different aspects of, you know, the marijuana field that come in and like think that through. Very much, very much. And if you guys also want to help that out, give those likes, give those subscribes and share and tag people that you want to see legalize it that have been hurt by the war on drugs. Because like, you know, I was reading the bill and it was introduced uh, July 23rd of 2019. 
And you were mentioning how it's already up to like 90 sponsors. There had to be like 16, 17 sponsors on it a year ago. And now yeah. it looks like it's just continuing to go that in that direction. And so like the more people that are out there watching or listening, lobby the people that they're going to vote for in two months. Yeah. Come on, guys. Like you've never been able to reach out and connect with people on this level like we're, we've had to all learn since uh, March of this year. And so I really hope that they can mobilize and get out and change the, hopefully the Senate, but also the administration. Uh, what types of things are the Drug Policy Alliance doing to get out the vote this fall? Yeah, so I wouldn't say get out the vote. We don't, we don't really do that type of work. I guess what we do is just like give progressives or people who wanna see our drug laws change um, something to vote for. We have a couple of cool campaigns. In Oregon, we've actually started our first all drug decriminalization campaign. So like we've been uh, vaccines, like pl doing some work with that. Um, obviously, like the more app, we're trying to like animate our base around. Uh, listeners should uh, visit our webpage. Uh, we have and sign up to get like our newsletters because then they'll get updates about our different campaigns and our different work across the country. They'll also get action alerts for the MORE Act so they could contact their house members. It's really, really critical that people get in touch with their members of Congress, yeah. uh, with their house representatives. They We need their votes to get this bill passed. So drugpolicy.org. That's right. All right. If you guys are out there, visit drugpolicy.org and sign up for the DPA's newsletter to stay on top of all of that. So do you do you know, like, when should we expect the vote? You said September, but this whip number has to come back. When does that whip number come back? So members of Congress have until next Thursday to vote on that whip count. Um, and then after that, I think Congress is out for at least another week. Um, or if they do come back, they don't have votes scheduled. They don't have votes scheduled until mid to late September. So I think anywhere in between there is when we can expect to vote. For something like this, something so important, do you guys even like say profile the congressman and be like, okay, the weak ones are going to be like Tennessee, uh, even though, no, the, the guy from Tennessee is actually a badass. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Tom Cohen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's pretty bad. At it. But, uh, you know, the, the, the Alabama for God's sakes, like these cats, you got to change your mind and sway, you know, and you have to reach out to their people to let them know that their people, that that guy can say it's safe to, you know, they're, they're still afraid of this and it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You know, cannabis has been proven, uh, an essential business in the COVID, the times of COVID. I mean, well, this isn't a non-issue. It's this, and yet people's lives suffer every day because of what's not happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's right. I think with different members, there are just different strategies. Some like really care about the criminal justice component. Others care about uh, money going into their states. And you know, with those folks, we do explain the essential business aspect. The 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 fact that. This could be an income boost for people in their state, but also for the state itself. Um, so, yeah, we have different strategies depending depending on the candidate um, or, excuse me, the member of Congress. But that's part of, I guess, what makes a good lobbyist. You got to figure out what the member cares about and figure out how to get them on the bill. Yeah. And I just think for the most part, you know, as everybody keeps saying, this is a bipartisan issue, but at this point it's just American, you know, it's just an American issue that we can all agree on. And let's just get over this bullshit. <laughs> You know? Seriously. Seriously. 
I can't believe how long it's taken and then how long it's been illegal. But, uh, you know, we have added the, the Moore Act. Uh, there's a link to it in our description section and you can scroll through it. It's about 35 pages long and they have all sorts of loans. They have a veteran business outreach center type of loan in the SBA that's built into it. So, you know, it loans to cannabis related legitimate businesses and service providers. It's uh, it's just such a a, a grand vision of how they can redo. Uh, the, and then the other thing that I really like that as well is in the law, they, they, it doesn't mean marijuana anymore. They redefine it. So they say, you know, cannabis defined, the term cannabis means, and then it's, it's like a, an actual plant definition as opposed to what it has been. And then of course, section nine, resentencing and expungement. Yes. So how does the resentencing and expungement work? Uh, I think that's going to, like you mentioned that more act two might be it's 35 pages, but then it has all these contemplations of yeah. tax collection and expungement and, and business loans. Uh, how large do you think the regulations on the MORE Act are going to end up being? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, that's a really good question. I, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. There's a lot to think through. I feel like regulatory bills generally um, tend to be on the heavier side. But the good news with that is that I think we have places to look to for like great examples. A lot of people I know are in favor of regulating marijuana, like we've regulated alcohol. Um, mm -hmm. If we were to do that, there's already a good model for that. So at least, you know, that's great. Um, but yeah, that's definitely going to be a heavy lift. You'll probably look at the legal states, though. I mean, the, the seed to sell model is going to be the forever model for a regulated market, I think. No matter what, see to sell. I, you know, I called it see to spell in the beginning, just because I'm a hippie and don't think we should be doing this. But see to sell is going to be the way that nationally that they can uh, monitor and, and regulate. You know, the the commerce. You know, and that's all it's about, right? The commerce, the taxes, and mm -hmm. everything else it has nothing to do with my home grow. They'll leave me alone, but you know, God forbid, I sell two hundred thousand dollars worth and don't let them know about it. <laughs> That's why they're concerned about collecting the taxes at the cultivation level. And so like if it's really like the alcohol, they're going to collect the taxes at each one of the levels. And so it'll be at the manufacturer level, maybe at the transport level and then also at the retail level. But if they just collect it at that middle level there when they grow it, it can really leave all the retail uh, sales collections for the local level. Which, you know, the local economy has just gotten battered by this whole thing. Um, but to shift a little bit, uh, it's also affiliated with the Marijuana Justice Coalition. Are you familiar with that? I am. Yeah, I'm one of the co-chairs. <laughs> oh, co-chairs of the Marijuana Justice Coalition. Talking that's to right. that's great. Yeah. Uh, can you explain a little bit of what that is? Yeah, sure. So um, this coalition came together 2018, maybe as early as 2018. Um, and the intention of the coalition was to really create a bill that would include directly impacted communities and communities have been left out of legalization uh, throughout the country. What we saw was that as marijuana was becoming legalized, people with records, uh, poor people, people who have historically carried the brunt of prohibition were just not a part of the industry. So we read the writing on the wall. We, we know marijuana will be legalized federally. Uh, we know it will be scheduled at some point. We wanted to get ahead of that really create a bill that would set the path, like a good path forward, a path that was um, inclusive of reparative justice and of communities of color who have been most hurt by prohibition. And we not just thought that this was important to do at the federal level to get ahead of what we saw as 
you know, coming down the pike, but also we thought it could be a good model for other states to follow. Um, so the coalition came together and uh, we brought together traditional drug policy groups like normal students for sensible drug policy in addition to the Drug Policy Alliance. We also included civil rights groups like the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights, uh, the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. We included immigrant rights groups, the Immigrant Legal Resource Center, directly impacted groups uh, like the National Network for Formerly Incarcerated Women and Girls, um, and just you know other groups that you wouldn't necessarily think of in, in coalition on a marijuana justice issue. Mm -hmm. So we included, at the time, I was actually with the Center for American Progress, a progressive think tank. Uh, they are part of the coalition. We also have a national social workers group that's part of the coalition. We also have labor that's part of the coalition. Um, we just wanted to make sure that we had broad support and included voices who are really important to this issue, but maybe haven't historically been a part of it um, because we wanted to craft something that was comprehensive. That was the that was always the goal. So from the very beginning, we sought out we we sought out a diverse group and we also thought uh, through which member of Congress would make a good champion for the bill. Um, we started to have conversations really early on with Chairman who uh, is chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. He's been pro-legalization for quite some time. In fact, he was um, in the state legislature in, in the 1970s in New York um, when the first uh, marijuana legalization bill, I think it was probably like the first in the U.S., came, came, uh, came through. So he's been a longtime supporter and was really interested in the idea that we had behind the MORE Act and agreed to co-sponsor um, and to be the lead on the bill from from the very beginning. Um, and he's just been a tremendous champion for a bill. And of course it helps that he's on the House Judiciary Committee, which continues to be a very <laughs> powerful committee in Congress. No doubt. What, what what sparked you to like stand up for marijuana specifically? Like why, what, yeah. what gives you that fire? Yeah, so you know, I, I actually don't smoke marijuana. I'm not a marijuana user. Um, I'm, I'm not even somebody who uses drugs other than alcohol. But for me, I've always cared about the criminal justice system. I've always really cared about civil rights. I've always cared about communities of color. And for me, I see uh, drug policy reform, including marijuana reform as a racial justice issue, as an issue of criminal justice reform, um, as, as a social justice issue. And that's what drives me. Like I just get infuriated thinking about the double standards um, that we see really across every policy issue, but this one in particular, like really hurts because you see how how people are saddled who are saddled with criminal convictions um, suffer tremendously for generations. I think you know it's not just having something on your record, which by itself is already horrible because right. you know you might not have access to education or housing, a job or whatnot, or public benefits. Yeah, um, but for people who are incarcerated, I think you know it's judgmental people. Yeah. Judgmental people are out there everywhere and they think that you're, if you're using something, you're bad and therefore we should revoke all your government yeah. privileges. And yeah. then if you're caught for doing it, it's like, well, you shouldn't have done it. And yeah. then it, it's just an abject lack of uh, empathy or ability to say like, well, maybe I'm just a dick. You know, yeah. because, <laughs> but they're, they're just they're judgmental and they also are punitive in general in the sense that they are like, well, that was bad. That was wrong for you. We're going to take away all your stuff and you have to check a box the rest of your life. Exactly. You know, and I don't understand why people are that petty, 
but um, maybe they just weren't raised right. I have no idea. But what are some of the the principles that uh, the Marijuana Justice Coalition has worked to to build into the MORE Act? Yeah. So one, we wanted to build something that was inclusive, again, of directly impacted people. So people who have been harmed by prohibition. So that's why we included groups who have a criminal justice expertise and groups comprised of people who have had contact with the criminal legal system. Um, And that's really reflected in our bill. You'll see that the bill has uh, provisions for expungement and resentencing for people with federal federal and state and local marijuana convictions. Um, We also wanted to make sure that records were no longer um, a burden on people so that people could go on with their lives and continue to, or at least begin to prosper uh, with the state of of a conviction gone. So we actually made it so that uh, a federal so that marijuana activity at all could no longer hinder somebody's ability to go to school, um, find housing, find a job with the federal government. Another important piece uh, that we wanted to address was immigration. I think, uh, I mean, people just really don't, I don't think, understand the magnitude of how our drug laws play in the lives of Um, non-citizens. We've deported so many people for petty crimes, including people who are using marijuana, sometimes even veterans who maybe can't get access to therapy, so they turn to marijuana. So we wanted to make sure that we actually changed immigration law with the MORE Act so that non-citizens could uh, have the benefits of marijuana and no longer face deportation. And this also includes non-citizens who work in state legal states, because if you're a non-citizen working in the marijuana industry at large, even though it's legal in your jurisdiction, you might still face immigration consequences because it's still a scheduled drug. So we wanted to like be comprehensive and address all of those issues again, centering directly impacted people. That's awesome. Yeah, it's like right, it's built in there. So like you know, we have linked the More Act in there. So it's right there on page twenty nine, conforming amendments to Immigration and Nationality Act. And so they've made some changes in there. So like you know, you can't get deported anymore for simple marijuana possession, mm-hmm. and that would always suck because before I really got into cannabis one of the things that, as i like to build software and so like i i was building stuff for the h1b visas and so i was trying to make all these workflows for h1b visas and then you know what happened yeah. donald fucking trump <laughs> so i quit doing that and then uh i started doing more uh cannabis and then just general litigation seo so i could get clients you know and, and that was one of the things though because that, that would come up it's like i want to invest in this i'm like I wouldn't touch it. What would BC on? I wouldn't touch that ownership. You know, maybe if you didn't live here, maybe if you were still in India and you couldn't get deported, sure, then fine. Go go ahead and own that little equity percentage of that uh, cannabis company. But uh, yeah, it's it really stinks. And they use it to continue to. And that's the other thing. I don't understand why America doesn't have 500 fucking million people in it. Because like everybody is America. That was the point. Yeah. yeah. You know? And so that they've made America so difficult to get into just yeah okay so why didn't we outgrow china i'm here in illinois there's nobody here it's literally fields of corn you know when i lived in korea it was a small town of five hundred sixty thousand people they basically all lived in a high-rise hotel that was a small town i mean so it's not like we are aren't that population dense but uh, i'm glad that you guys also built that in isn't that the beauty of the moracto itself too in in the the taking the the taking away the 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 legality of the cannabis of the flower right if you were to just take that one legality away then you take away a lot of those 
tools that they use to export, you know, uh, extradite people and whatnot. Or, you know, smell won't be a crime anymore. Sure, you can smell it, but it's not a crime. Period. Yeah, I think that's really important to think about, too, in the policing context, especially now, right, as we're seeing all these calls for law enforcement reform and justice reform, which, again, I think points back to, like, why Congress would be smart to pass this now, because they didn't get us policing reform. They haven't got us other criminal justice things we've asked for. We've also asked that people be released from jails and prisons because of COVID and the fact that COVID is rampant in those facilities. But this is something tangible that they could give us, right? Like, it, it so many issues. Like, Rome is not burning. America has severe heartburn and prohibition. No, no, no. I, I think most of the heartburn in Rome burning is caused by the administration. Uh, to be honest, like I think that the that administration preys on conflict and not just preying on conflict, but conflict that's so captivating because it is such bloodlust, like Roman time gladiator bullshit that people just have to go like and look at it. Meanwhile, they're stealing everything. Yeah, you know, it's it's terrible. But that, I'm mean, just saying, like, uh, you know, if we were to legalize marijuana, cannabis, however you want to call it, period. It would just take that tool away from all these evil, that divisiveness, that 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 power that we're seeing right now. It it would just the 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 the, the assets like for the police, the defunding issue. It's not about get rid of them. It's about hey, let's make them go after real bad guys like rapists and uh, uh, murderers. You know, uh, yeah. why can I go in every city in this country and know where to get drugs? I can tell you right now, I've traveled this country and I've gotten high in every state I've been in and had a good time because. You can do that because you weren't doing math. <laughs> I'm just saying, even if I wanted to do math, though, but I'm just saying you can go yeah. to every state, know where the bad neighborhoods are, the bad spots. So actually, a couple of weeks ago, we had law enforcement leaders come out in support of the MORE Act. There was a ritual press briefing and a letter they sent to the Hill to Nancy Pelosi and Leader Hoyer about their support behind the bill. And the thing that they said was what you actually just said was that, you know, it's ridiculous that we have to focus on these petty crimes when we have a horrendous rate of like, n- like solving violent crimes, like violent crimes go unsolved all the time. Um, so when we're thinking about like resources and redirecting resources at like, you know, at, at things that would actually enhance public safety, like that was their whole argument, like yeah. criminalize it, let us focus on these violent crimes. And they also pointed to the fact that it could improve police community relations yes. if we were no longer having to, you know, mess with I shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, I want to trust the police. I don't want to just defund them. I want to trust them. And taking prohibition away would would enable me to say, hey, cop, um, I saw some dude doing some shit over there, but uh, don't fuck with me because I'm just going to smoke this bowl right here. (laughs) (laughs) That's all. Yep. Oh, that's that is really, really cool. Uh, do you think that there's anything that you didn't put into the MORE Act that you'd want to see if let's imagine that it comes up the floor vote this September and let's even say that it passes the House? Because yeah. like the, if the Safe Banking Act passed by like two to one, it was like 300 plus to 100 against. And because there's 435, right? Still, I think for the House. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So like it, it, between those two, it would add to 435, and it was like over 300 for the Safe Banking Act. What do you think a, a vote count would be for the MORE Act? If you had to hazard a yeah. guess. I think that we would probably get the majority of Democrats, maybe with the exception of like two, two to five. I think we could get a solid number of Republicans, maybe around 30. And then for a, a floor vote on a bill, 
Uh, does it just have to get a simple majority? Would it just be like, you know, whatever 435 divided by two is plus one? Yeah. 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 What's it? Yeah. It's a, it's a majority. Okay. So like there's a, there's a legit shot that the more act might. So Congress literally before the election may, may vote to legalize marijuana. I think they will. I think the house will. Do you think in every person now would be a time for everybody to pretty contact your congressman, contact your senator, and just be like, Absolutely. please go to your the, what, what most states have a website. My county has a website I can go oh, to. That's why you have to you Google the the congressional switchboard. There you General go, switchboard, uh, and then like we just share the screen. Uh, oh, there it is. No, you don't need to share the screen. It's two hundred two 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 four three one two one. So go ahead and and dial two hundred two 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 four three one two one. And then ask for your congressman's, uh, you know, office line. You're not going to get him or her. I guarantee it. But then tell them that, you know, if they don't vote for uh, the MORE Act, when that vote comes out, I'm going to see if you voted no. And that's how I'm going to vote for you this fall. Because the the Congress is up to vote every two years. And if your congressman doesn't vote for the MORE Act and we have that, like we have that acid test that's right there, binary, yes or no. I want you guys out there to make sure that you vote your conscience when it comes to cannabis at the federal level this year. Marisa, does um, DPA on their website have uh, like a state by state? You can click on your state and then you can click on your representative to find to find your representative. No, but we do have an action alert. I'm actually like looking right now to see if I can find it. So I can just like pop uh, it in the chat here. But yep. Yeah. Please do. And then I'll just tell them one more time. That is 202-224-3121. Please call Congress, uh, especially if you're watching this on the internet. And it's very easy to hit pause. And then leave your congressional representative a very nice message uh, asking them to please, with sugar on top, vote for the MORE Act when it comes up in September. I mean, this could be like... This could be the biggest news ever. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I mean, once everybody's out of jail, dude, I, I don't, I, I'd probably be done with the podcast, honestly. Oh, uh, no, I, I, I guess you see the podcast would just drop the word legalization. Oh, or we start doing it in other countries and be like, all right. Oh, that'd well, be dope, dude. Yeah, maybe by then I'd have enough marijuana ownerships and be like, okay, okay, no, no, no. We're going to start the Chinese channel. And so, like, it would just, they'd come on and they'd, oh, they'd try to get it into China and then see how quickly before they ban us. Be like the food network for weed. That'd be awesome. I guess. Hey, did you find out the uh, the the policy alliance thing, Maritza? I did. Yeah, I'm like copying and pasting right now. But this makes it really easy. You just fill in the blanks, and it'll contact your member of Congress for you specifically. Awesome. That's Great. the kind. Of, I mean, the, the internet's awesome like that, right? Like, right. Uh, and we're gonna we're gonna tweet that out then to everybody or i mean put it in the comments oh mm-hmm. thanks lauren you, she hit us up so like right now you can see that in the comments we just shared that link we'll also be sure to revise the description section for after it's you know wrapped to to put that link as well and get the um get your activism on it's easy to click Maritza, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can we go to find follow what's going on at the marijuana justice coalition and drug policy alliance yeah, so Drug Policy Alliance is just drugpolicyalliance.org, but we also have a page specifically for the Marijuana Justice Coalition. So let me get you that link real quick. Um, but if you visit our DPA page, you could sign up for our newsletters. I recommend doing that because you'll get updates on not just the MORE Act, but other things that we're working on. 
but let me also share this link specifically for the Marijuana Justice Coalition. Thank you. Yeah, we will throw that into the description. Uh, once again, thanks again for coming on and thanks for tuning in. Everyone, make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We will see you guys on Wednesday. Thank you. Bye.